This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner and my friend today, we're going to do something that I've wanted to do for years and years and years. I'm going to give you a personal tour of the city of Ephesus and we're going to see it in the eyes of Paul, Aquila and Priscilla as they saw it when they first arrived by ship in the year 52. And I want you to order the entire series, which is called Take a Tour with Rick based on the city of of Ephesus. It is simply amazing. And right now we're also offering you my book, which goes with this series, which is called A Light in Darkness, a fully illustrated, marvelous book. My friends, you need to have this book in your personal library. Page after page of full color photographs, you will feel that you have stepped into the life of the New Testament church. But let's begin my tour of Ephesus. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. This is the ancient city of Ephesus. When the Apostle Paul came here with Aquila and Priscilla, they stepped into one of the darkest spiritual environments in the entire Roman Empire. The particular place where I'm sitting was once the location of the big gymnasium, which was near the central theater. If you look at the reliefs that still remain from that gymnasium, among all of these many fragments, you would just be amazed to see the intricate details. And this was just a gymnasium, but it really shows us how rich and how luxurious was the city of Ephesus. In this particular gymnasium, boys trained and prepared themselves mentally and physically, and their parents came and sat in the seats along the side to watch them. This was a central feature in the city, but the city as a whole was immersed in spiritual darkness and paganism. And yet it was here that the Holy Spirit dispatched the Apostle Paul with Aquila and Priscilla to establish a ministry base that would eventually affect the whole of Asia. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19 and verse 10 that when Paul was here for two years every day, he taught in the school of Tyrannus. I'm going to be showing you that school in the programs to come. But the Bible tells us that while he was teaching that all the people of Asia heard the word of the Lord in verse 11 says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the disease Jesus departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. And the Bible tells us in verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, all dwelling at Ephesus and fear came on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified and listen to what God did in this dark place. Acts 19 verse 18 says, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also, which used curiosity arts brought their books together and burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver verse 20 so mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed in this very dark place God poured out his grace and the church was established right in the heart of Ephesus 
Coming here was a very daring thing for the apostolic team to do because this was a very evil city. The church had never been established here. It was a seat of Roman government. And not only that, Ephesus was expensive. It had the highest standard of living in the whole of Asia. And to establish a church here was going to take a lot of money and a lot of faith. Wow, but they did it. And my friend, if it could be done in Ephesus, it can be done anywhere. But hey, we need to begin this story on the shore of the Aegean Sea where Paul and his team first arrived. This is the magnificent Aegean Sea behind me. About 52 AD, a ship appeared on the horizon just here, headed toward the mouth of the Keister River, a legendary river which led to the immense man-made harbor at the port of Ephesus. It was a ship that first set sail from the port city of Cancrea on the eastern side of the Isthmus of Greece, not too far from where Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla had established the Church of Corinth and served for several years. To the natural eye, it just looked like another of the many thousands of ships that sailed up the Keister to annually dock at the port of Ephesus. But this was not just another ship. It carried three passengers whose presence in Ephesus would impact and change the entire region of Asia Minor. The Apostle Paul with Aquila and Priscilla were getting ready to disembark from their ship in the city of Ephesus where they would inaugurate their ministry which would mark the most powerful and successful phase of their entire ministries. After sailing for many days, the moment had finally come for the Apostle Paul and his team to arrive at the great port of Ephesus. And Ephesus was one of the most sophisticated and pagan cities in the world at that time. This was a groundbreaking experience and a landmark moment because as yet no church had ever been established in the city of Ephesus. From the Aegean Sea, Paul's ship sailed up the Keister River five miles to the man-made harbor in Ephesus. Today, the Keister River is just a slither of what it used to be. In the first century, it was 500 feet wide. It had been artificially widened to make room for thousands and thousands of ships that arrived every year at the city of Ephesus. And it's kind of hard to believe, but where I am right now is all that is left of the man-made harbor. A harbor which was started in the third century BC, but was eventually expanded and embellished by Eumenes II from Pergamum. But over a period of time, the river and the harbor began to fill with silt and it was eventually abandoned. As the ship began to approach the harbor, it slowed its speed as it got ready for a docking there with all of the other ships. But as they came closer, it's sure that they stood on the deck and looked all around them in amazement of the fact that they were about to enter the remarkable city of Ephesus. From the deck, Paul could look up and see the Hellenistic barracks located on the mountaintop to the right of the harbor. Those ancient barracks were built in the third century BC and were used as a monitoring post to regulate incoming and outgoing ships. And as their ship drew closer and closer to the port, 
the team could see the outline of the great theater of Ephesus that spread out like a mighty fan across the hill at the top of the marble boulevard in the distance. It would have been natural for them to be so excited as the ship began to come closer to the city. Finally, they were going to arrive in the legendary city of Ephesus. The so many challenges and victories awaited them that they were unaware of at the moment. It's really hard to imagine that this place, which today is overgrown with trees and brush and just filled with a lot of rubble, was once the man-made harbor of Ephesus. In the first century, when Paul and his team arrived here, it was legendary. It was known throughout the Roman Empire as a feat of human engineering. At one point, the man-made harbor was widened to approximately 1,500 feet so that more than 100 ships could be docked at the port at one time. And because of the unending flow of ships that docked at this port with goods from abroad, Ephesus became known as the gateway to Asia, one of the largest trading centers and the biggest city in all of Asia. But on that landmark day when the ship arrived, it carried an apostolic team that was ready to launch their God-ordained mission in Asia Minor. After traveling by ship all the way from Cancrea on the eastern side of the Isthmus of Greece, finally the apostolic team arrived in Ephesus and their ship docked here at the harbor gate. And in fact, today you can still see remnants of the seawall where the harbor gate stopped the sea and the water would lap up against the stone wall. And it is for certain that the Apostle Paul with his team disembarked from their ship into this very place. And when you look at all of these ruins, fallen columns, cornices, which are covered with amazing sculpture details, it's very clear that the city of Ephesus wanted to impress newcomers, and I'm sure they were quite impressed because when Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla saw this magnificent gate and all the sculptured details of it, they knew they were entering into a city that was extraordinary. And immediately upon disembarking, they could smell the smells of a port at that time. They saw the sights and heard the sounds of people moving around the port, which was so typical in the first century. But it's certain they saw soldiers who were unloading cargo, boxes and huge clay vessels, piling everything in heaps on the pavement just beyond the ship. Paul and his team lined up with the rest of the passengers as they prepared to disembark from their ship. As the Apostle Paul and his team got off the ship, I'm sure they saw a lot of people carrying all kinds of cargo, including those huge clay vessels that I referred to. And today, when you walk among the ruins of this gate, you can just stop and randomly pick up fragments of those clay vessels that are still here. They're all over the place. but. People came to Ephesus for various reasons. Some people came here to see family and friends. Some people came to Ephesus for trade and for business because this was a big business city. Some people came to Ephesus to study in the schools of philosophy, which were renowned in the world at that time. Others came to the city of Ephesus because it had the best court system in the whole of Asia Minor. But Paul and his team arrived for other reasons. They had been dispatched by the Spirit of God 
into the darkness of Ephesus to establish a church in this city and a headquarters for the launching of the gospel in all of Asia Minor. And eventually from this place, the gospel would go throughout this region of the world. Can you imagine how their hearts must have pounded with excitement at the thought that they were entering the legendary city of Ephesus where a church had never been established before. They were about to start the long walk up the Marble Harbor Boulevard, which would take them into one of the most splendid cities in all of Asia Minor. At long last, they as a team were going to see this remarkable city and work for the advancement of the kingdom of God. No cultural lesson could have ever prepared this apostolic team for what awaited them. And when they stepped off their ship into this harbor, that's where I am. These are the remnants of the old harbor gate. Immediately their minds and their senses were overwhelmed with what they saw and the magnitude of the divine assignment that God had entrusted to them began to dawn on them all around the port. The three would have seen ships from every imaginable part of the Roman Empire, flying flags of different colors and displaying various insignias on the tall masts. This was a common sight in Ephesus because ships sailed into the port every day around the clock from every part of the far-flung empire, from Rome, Crete, Palestine, Carthage, Spain, Alexandria, Greece, and on and on. The bulk of the ships were loaded with cargo that would be transported to other cities on well-constructed roads that led from Ephesus to other cities throughout Asia. And because of this amazing port and the city's excellent road system, Ephesus emerged as the biggest business center of the region, a place where a lot of money was made. Transportation of goods and the accessibility to other cities were two reasons Ephesus had earned its title as the gateway to Asia. These were contributing factors to the immense wealth and prosperity of the city and the reason it had the highest standard of living in all of Asia Minor. Paul and his team were about to see this plush treasure trove for themselves. They had probably never seen so much wealth in one single place. But not only were they going to see wealth, they were going to encounter a rich diversity of nationalities, culture, and languages, probably far more diversity than they had ever encountered in any single place. Once off the ship, Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla could hear people speaking a wide variety of languages, Latin, Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek, and Egyptian, just to mention a few. Even Paul, a master of languages, probably heard languages and dialects even he had never encountered and didn't recognize. The three team members would have felt they had just stepped into a remarkable place where all the civilizations and the cultures of the world emerged in one place. In New Testament times, Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the entire Roman Empire. The largest was the city of Rome. After Rome came the city of Alexandria. After Alexandria, the next largest city was Antioch. And after Antioch was Ephesus. And Ephesus was definitely one of the crown jewels in the Roman Empire. The influence of Ephesus was so great that when a new Roman governor was appointed and came to rule the region of Asia Minor, 
He lived in the city of Pergamum, but by law, he was required to enter the region through the port of Ephesus to show his great respect and honor for this illustrious city. But the day that Paul and his team arrived, the city of Ephesus didn't realize that a God-sent authority had just arrived with the spiritual backing of heaven to establish the church and to change the spiritual climate, not only in Ephesus, but in all of Asia Minor. The city of Ephesus was renowned as the light of all Asia because many new ideas were birthed here and people here loved new revelations, new ideas, and all kinds of education. That may be another reason why the Holy Spirit sent Paul and his team here, but they came for another reason. They were bringing the true light of Asia. In the days and years to come, demonized rulers would exert all their power to suffocate the light of the gospel in Ephesus. But in the end, darkness would not have the power to overcome it. As Paul and his team embarked on their first tour of Ephesus, it's certain that they observed people of all kind. People with light skin, dark skin, and every shade in between. They met Romans, they met Greeks, and encountered a lot of Egyptians Egyptians really loved the city of Ephesus because it was opulent and Egyptians were wealthy and had a taste for high living. Even Antony and Cleopatra spent the winter in Ephesus in 33 BC. Some believe that the Egyptian-style Temple of Serapis in Ephesus, which was later replaced with a larger temple, was originally built at the order of Cleopatra. But as the apostolic team kept walking toward the harbor gate, they couldn't help but also notice a large number of sailors. And that's no surprise, since a harbor of such size would require a multitude of sailors to maintain and sail the ships. But the team members would also have noticed a large number of Roman soldiers intermingled in the crowd everywhere they turned. Ephesus was one of the empire's most important military strongholds in first century Asia. And in most large cities where sailors and soldiers lived, there was also a flourishing prostitution business. And Ephesus was no different. Present-day evidence in the ruins of Ephesus show how prevalent the prostitution business was in Ephesus during New Testament times. In the pavement on the central marble street, there is still a set of engraved footprints that can be seen. And next to one of these footprints is the engraving of a stylish woman's face. And some believe this was an advertisement to inform potential clients that if they followed the footprints in the pavement, it would lead them to the central brothel, the city's primary place of prostitution where sexual pleasure could be obtained for a price. Ephesus also had a growing immigrant population. Immigrants migrated here because of the lure of getting a job and working at one of the great monumental construction projects in the city. And there were a lot of projects going on in the city of Ephesus. But Ephesus also had a very large slave trading business. As Ephesians had become more wealthy, the need for slaves increased. So, in addition to all the immigrants who were moving here and the swelling slave population, when the apostolic team finally arrived in 52 AD, this city was experiencing a population boom. 
the Holy Spirit had sent them here at a time when this city was literally bursting at the seams. As Paul and his companions disembarked from their ship with a lot of other passengers, immediately they were bumping into other people as they felt the hustle and bustle of everything taking place at the port. And in front of them was the magnificent monumental harbor gate through which they had to enter the city of Ephesus. I'm certain that as they approached the harbor gate, and it's hard to believe, but these are the ruins of the harbor gate. And if you look at these ruins and see all the sculpted reliefs on them, you can see this was quite a spectacular place. And as they came to the great gate, they must have gazed upward at this monumental structure, and then they walked through one of its three arches as they entered onto a long white marble street that led all the way to the center of the city. The monumental gate had multiple arches with massive columns of beautifully carved stone. Impressive structures like these were placed at key entry points to ancient cities for the sole purpose of giving a sense of awe to newcomers as they entered a city. And I'm quite certain when Paul and his team saw the monumental gate in front of them, I'm certain they were sufficiently impressed with this monumental gate. The harbor gate that existed when Paul and his team arrived was eventually replaced by an even greater gate that was constructed during the reign of Septimus Severus. But the gate Paul and his team walked through that day was already marvelous to see. As the three of them walked through that harbor gate, the grandeur of Ephesus must have nearly taken their breath. And before them, they saw an immense white marble boulevard lined with covered colonnades that were supported with magnificent columns. And under those covered colonnades were more than 200 shops and pavements covered with marvelous mosaics. At the far end of the boulevard, they could see the famous great theater of Ephesus that spread out across the mountain before them. The whole scene must have dazzled them. People often call or write to ask, when will Rick take his next tour group to Ephesus? We want to go. So many people have made this request that Rick decided to bring Ephesus to you in the new series, Take a Tour with Rick, Ephesus. After years of praying and planning, Rick finally went to Ephesus to film this personal tour for you. And he gives the entire tour through the eyes of the Apostle Paul and Aquila and Priscilla as they saw Ephesus when they first arrived there to start the church at Ephesus. With permission from local authorities, even off-limits sites were open to Rick so he could take his film crew to show you sites that even tourists are not able to see. This is truly a one-of-a-kind tour, but it's not just a tour. As Rick walks you through the paths of Ephesus, he teaches all along the way. This 10-part documentary-type visual series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20. We're also offering you the book, A Light in Darkness. This beautiful 800-page book features on-location photography with added artwork and illustrations to enhance the in-depth scriptural teaching that makes the early New Testament come alive on every page. Rick reveals insights into the ancient world and the disturbing realities that early believers faced as the church began to flourish in a pagan world. This book is available right now for just $80. Don't miss this special offer. The visual series Take a Tour with Rick, Ephesus, and the book A Light in Darkness.
Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia, but we're doing it step by step. And today they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But in addition to this, there's gonna be another set over here and another set over there. So many angles and opportunities to film teaching that people can trust in this room. But of course, this is just one room. But I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this room. To think that TV programs with the Word of God are going to be filmed right here. And when I look around this room, you can see this electrical grid that's gonna hold all the lights. It's on electrical pulleys, so it goes up, it goes down. It's just going to have everything we need to film the teaching of the Word of God. But hey, there's more than this. Let me show you. Well, I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now, but this really is gonna be one of the smaller studios, and this is gonna be Denise's studio, because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming. And right from this spot, Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world. But hey, there's another set in addition to this one. This is our third studio in this new building. You may say, why do you need three studios? Because we're filming a lot of programs. Right now, we can only film one program at a time. We have to set it up, take it down, but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time. But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices, and in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs, working with our network, it is amazing the activity that's going to take place in this building. And it's not about buildings, it's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God. But it's your generous gifts that have helped us to build this and we will complete it. But right now we're in phase three of our ministry, which is paying off our Tulsa ministry headquarters. We wanna pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the Word of God around the world. And that's really our goal, to get the gospel and to teach people the Bible all over the world. They're just crying out for it, and they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. Well, my friend, today we have covered a lot of material and we're just getting started on our tour of Ephesus. And I want you to order the entire series, which is called Take a Tour with Rick. Many people have asked me to take them to Ephesus and I can't. So I decided to bring Ephesus to you through the eyes 
of Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla. It is such an amazing series. You will devour it. And we also want you to order my book, which is called A Light in Darkness, which walks you through the city of Ephesus. It is a book which every Christian needs in their personal home library. You will devour it. But my friends, you can order all these things by going online or by giving us a call. And Father, we thank you that whether we lived in the first century or this century, we're anointed for where we are and for what we're doing. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4 says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.